You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside today, the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio. Welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. We are coming at you from three separate locations to give you one podcast. We will dive deep into where the Colts stand in free agency now a couple weeks in and see what they have to do next or they should do next, or they will do next, or what they won't do next. You know, all those great topics uh, at this time of year that can be discussed. But certainly uh, things are falling a little bit further, more cementing into place. Um, if you had, ch- Chap, I would say, if you had uh, thought that this would finally be the year that, that Chris Boward uh, was a big spender in free agency, uh, I, I would have said, I don't know well, who which podcast you're listening to. It's probably not ours, but... Uh, I don't think there are any big surprises for what the Colts have done so far throughout these first two weeks. Correct me if I am wrong or if you have a different opinion, but so far, everything has seemed to have made sense and kind of gone along with what he has done in years past. You can pick and choose whether you would have done the same thing or something slightly different, but uh, I don't think anything has been such a dramatic shift from the paradigm from what we have seen from Chris Ballard uh, even though he has told us, yeah, he has to learn, he has to improve, he has to grow, uh, there might be some differences uh, from year to year, but there hasn't been anything, in my opinion, that has been so dramatically uh, different than that we would have to discuss in great depth. you agree? you disagree? I agree, and, and you pointed it out because he mentioned in January, maybe even at uh, the Combine, how they need maybe they need to do things differently or, or whatever. But at his core, who he is is who he is. I just don't think even with more desperate times in his career and for the franchise, I just don't think he's going to say, well, you know, I better do things different. I just don't think that's who he is. And and tied to that is this wasn't a great free agent class. You know, maybe he went into it saying, hey, we're going to make a big splash, which I don't believe. But I just think... The, the only major difference is going to be probably is you hope they get their quarterback in April, which which they've not gotten quarterback right. They just haven't. But for anyone who really thought he was going to change at his core who he was, how he builds defensive line, they, they've addressed it again. Offensive line, we're waiting. Uh, receiver? They, they traded one guy for another guy, and we could argue whether they should have done that. So I think anyone who expected a groundswell of difference in his approach was just not understanding who Chris Ballard is. And, Joe, I think to take that further, if if Chris Ballard was to take one free agency and just go bonkers, it, I, don't think, I don't think it would have been this one because I, I think what would really tilt the scales and cause him to – to do what we have not seen him do before was would be if the Colts were this close. You know, if the roster was just one corner and one defensive end, you think, away from from becoming a Super Bowl contender. If they could just stop the pass, you know, a little bit better uh, and they could get a guy who's a 12-sack guy and a guy who's a five-interception guy, which which is a – which doesn't really happen all too often or ever in free agency, but I'm just kind of trying to create an example here. I I think that is what would cause Chris Ballard to maybe do some more this time of year. But if if nothing else, I think the last two years of this Colts team and the last year in particular 
have proven that the problems in this roster go deep and they go deeper than just quarterback. And so to, to say that to, to make a big, big splash in free agency for one or two players would be very much antithetical to what Chris Ballard has done in the past toward building this roster. It would be very much a departure for that, even if he does things slightly differently now than he has in the past to, to say that an expected large windfall of big name free agents, which weren't really out there this year, to be to be perfectly honest, in certain places. But would, that would have been a, a major surprise. You agree with myself and Chap on this? Yeah, I mean, I agree in the points that he's not going to philosophically change that much how he does things. He said that in press conferences leading up to free agency. Um, I agree that this team is not a player or two away from contending. They have the fourth overall pick in the draft for a reason. And, and that's just even more head scratching. Why Chris Ballard is still here. He built this roster that uh, was the fourth worth team record wise in the NFL. And so he's going to keep doing things the same way. Um, hopefully a draft pick there hitting on a guy that he missed on here and there will swing things going forward, but he's kind of getting a second chance here to rebuild this roster um, and we'll, we'll see what he does with it. Well, it's going to be more than just a, what, what, go one, ahead, one thing, Dave, is I would argue that they almost did that, not going all in, but they sort of did this. They did that last year when, when they go for Matt Ryan with a trade and they get in Gawkway with a trade and they sign Gilmore. So I, I think they really saw that last year, maybe they thought they were close and they were clearly wrong <laughs> because they weren't. But I thought last year maybe he deviated just a little with bringing in three really high-profile people. And, I, again, I think maybe we found out that this team, and a lot of us thought that those moves would work. I think a lot of us thought this team was the team to beat in the AFC South. Everybody did nationally. And as we as we discovered, there are – were and still are a lot of flaws in this roster. And that's what the draft is probably going to be uh, towards starting to fix. And it starts right at the top. And it is a whole lot more than a second chance at quarterback. Uh, it, it, it keeps on going. <laughs> What's this going to be now? Six, seven years in a row with a different starter uh, week one because Matt Ryan has officially been released. The Colts will save $17 million in the salary cap. Does create quite a bit of dead cap, but nevertheless, it's Good to save $17 million at least. And uh, because of that, according to a spot rack, at least right now, the Colts currently have about $21 million uh, in cap space after uh, Matt Ryan uh, is released. The uh, the least surprising move of the offseason, it just didn't come until uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks in, to, or at least a couple uh, a week plus into free agency, it seemed like. But, uh, but Chap, no surprise, Matt Ryan is gone. The, the, the biggest move from last offseason uh, – did not work for multiple reasons. You could say Ryan has lost a step. You could say his offensive line vastly unperformed, underperformed. You can say the receivers were not ready to carry a team or the pass catchers in general. But uh, And that's kind of to our point that we were making, that this roster was not where uh, the Colts thought it was and maybe national people thought it was. Uh, if you had listened to me maybe a year ago on this podcast, you would have thought uh, one or two things about uh, what, what, uh, what, where this team was going. But nevertheless, we're not here to completely rehash the past. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but your guy's but a we free, can. Isn't he still a free agent? Yeah, yeah, he's still a free agent too, but I, I'm just saying. Him, him whose name we won't mention? 
Well, he, he went to a franchise that is uh, even in, in more of a, a, a trash heap than, than the Indianapolis Colts, a historic uh, underperformer, underachiever, uh, getting in trouble or uh, very, uh, I think some, uh, there, there are other words that I could use toward the Washington Commanders franchise, but uh, so, 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 so yes, you're, you're, you're not wrong, chap. You are not wrong. I will, I will not deny you the, uh, the pleasure of being right at perhaps my expense, but, uh, that, that goes into a, a whole nother, uh, ball of yarn that we don't need to untangle at this point We're we're just untangling the Matt Ryan news. And so, uh, Matt Ryan gone, uh, he will not be a Colt next year. And, and one thing that's a surprise to me still is Nick Foles. You know, I, I, I guess there's no urgency, I guess. I mean, you know, he's on the roster and you don't need the space and all this. I just don't, especially after they, they get their backup quarterback, I'm not sure what Nick Foles is still doing here. I don't I don't believe there's anything in the contract that prohibits cutting him. Just, just It's just kind of strange, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's strange and it doesn't matter. It's true. You, you get those things this time of year again. So exactly. That's not, not abnormal, but we still don't anticipate him being a Colt next year. Just have to give a throwaway line sometime in a future Colt Blue Zone podcast. Saying, oh, by the, oh, by the way. Exactly. Just kind of like Matt Ryan is right now because we knew this was happening too. But uh, what perhaps one, one of the more debatable free agents for the Colts this year has a new home. Uh, that is wide receiver Paris Campbell. He's signing, has signed with the New York Giants. One year, uh, $4.7 million contract reportedly. About 2.9 of that is guaranteed. Um, Joe, when you looked at Paris Campbell, he showed bursts or flashes of what made him a second-round pick. But certainly, if you look at his entire his entire body of work, the first thing that comes to mind is injury riddled. Uh, and for that reason, and maybe others, he did not live up to the expectations that were placed upon him. But he is not going to get a second chance with the Colts after four years here. He has found a new home with the New York Giants. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he didn't get a larger contract, even if it was still just a one year, only, you know, under $5 million for a wide receiver is pretty cheap, um, relatively. So that kind of shocked me a little bit. But I'm not shocked that he found a new home. It is just kind of one of those situations where it feels like a fresh start might be best for both sides. Um, Campbell, I feel bad for him. The one year he was able to stay healthy was probably the Colts worst passing performance of the entire time he's been in Indianapolis. So you don't really know if he was able to show everything that he can do on the football field. Um, Certainly didn't quite show the same kind of game changing speed he did in his first year. Um, or second year in the brief glimpses we got to see of that, um, but was a productive player nonetheless. I mean, 600 plus yards and as bad as a p- passing offense as the Colts had um, is nothing to snuff at. So good for Campbell. Hopefully gets a new chance in an offense that's kind of desperate for wide receivers right now. I think Paris Campbell, I mean, he has a chance to be the wide receiver one in New York as things currently stand. Yeah, uh, Mike, th- you, you could argue whether... Paris Campbell, uh, Paris Campbell certainly would have made the current Colts uh, wide receiver room better just because um, it's not addition by subtraction or anything like that. But it, it just, I guess, with him leaving, it just even further underscores the fact that they need wide receiver help right now. And whether it's veterans, whether it's rookies, it, it, it's a room that that needs some depth right now behind 
Michael Pittman Jr., who's your up-and-coming guy entering his fourth year. It's Alec Pierce, who's trying to take a step forward in his second year. And then it's a whole lot of, well, well, we'll see about that. But Paris Campbell at least would have given you some experience in the NFL. Now uh, he is gone and just leaves another opportunity for someone else to step in, someone who is at this point would be an unknown to step in because obviously, like I said, it's not anything like an addition by subtraction situation, but it's not going to be Paris Campbell in that wide receiver room anymore. Well, and Joe's got it on our outline here, but it's, you know, they signed Isaiah McKenzie who has been, God, he's played like seven years and he's only 27. So he's going to be the third guy. He, he just will be probably a slot guy that, you know, he's five, eight. He, he's like, he looks up at T Y Hilton for crying huh. out loud. So that that's, that's a good step. I, without knowing the contract that McKenzie got, I'm guessing it's, it's two, three million. It can't be a big contract. I might've kept Paris Campbell. But you really don't know that when, because we know how Chris Ballard feels about Paris Campbell, loves the guy. Well, what if when they sit in the room and Shane Steichen says, yeah, you know, I'm not crazy about it. Yeah, you know, I'd rather have something, a, a, a more prototypical slot guy, quicker. I wouldn't say faster because Paris is fast, smaller. So you just don't know. And, and I think a lot of these moves will have Shane Steichen's fingerprints on they, And they should. They should really defer to him on some of these personnel decisions, but you hope for the best for Paris. And did the Colts kind of look at his career and say, you know, last year was the aberration. He stayed healthy. So, but, but good for him. I would like to see what the numbers come in on with McKenzie to see how much of a difference there is. But again, you just don't know how Shane Steichen looked at Paris Campbell. Yeah, I think Paris Campbell can can still be a downfield deep threat in the NFL because he absolutely still has the speed. What perhaps he lost with all his lower body problems in the first couple years of his career would be the shiftiness, would be the quickness, which is what, as you say, chap, some coaches or some coordinators would ideally want in your slot receiver. And that's really more along the lines of what Isaiah McKenzie is. He is quick. He is speedy to some extent, but it's it's the quickness, it's the sharp cuts, it's the getting the ball, um, being able to uh, attack certain points of the field in you know, certain points close to the line of scrimmage, really, and do small amounts of damage here and there and then be able to break one perhaps. But 42 catches for 423 yards for Isaiah McKenzie last year, five total touchdowns, all of them career highs, very similar numbers to Paris Campbell when you look you, at like... W- wouldn't you take that next year? Yeah, I'd take that next year. When you look at like catches and yards per catch, he just has more touchdowns because, you know, the Bills actually had a good offense last year, unlike uh, another team that we talk about plenty on this podcast. So uh, but but it's it's an opportunity for McKenzie for sure, because because they're going to they're going to be catches to be had out there, you think. And especially for a, a new quarterback, if you want to work a slot receiver, he could be one of your best friends, your slot receiver, your tight end. A uh, guy that's reliable near the line of scrimmage to to catch the ball. So you figure there's going to be some opportunity for him. He also, Joe, has 47 rushes for 230 yards and four touchdowns um, uh, as well in his career. So uh, he he can do some things out of the backfield. But certainly not a not a Naheem Hines tit for tat here. Uh, he's not a running back like Hines was, but but he kind of takes over maybe some of Hines's role in the pass catching game, perhaps. Um, and, and is a somewhat of a similar player that can also be used in special teams as well. Yeah, he's kind of a 
He's a player who for a while was a gadget guy, and uh, we're not talking about Naheem here, so hopefully McKenzie won't get as offended. But uh, McKenzie was a gadget guy for a while, then had a nice year with the Bills. They decided to give him, a, I think it was a two- or three-year contract extension um, for some pretty decent money, and he had a career year kind of in an elevated role last season as Cole Beasley, at least for a little bit, moved on. I think, if I remember right, Beasley ended up rejoining the team later in the year. But um, just somebody that, for whatever the reason, the Bills decided to move on, get out of his contract, and the Colts scoop up. Uh, Stike can get, can get creative with this guy. This is a guy who you just want to get the ball in his hands and let him go. He's returned over 100 uh, punt and kick returns in his career. So he he's, adds an element to this Colts wide receiver group that they don't currently have in a, just a, a catch-and-run specialist. I know Pittman... It's not easy to bring down because of his sheer size and strength out there. Um, Pierce didn't necessarily show that in his rookie season that he can be a guy who, you know, you toss a screen pass to and he takes it for 15 to 20 yards. McKenzie can do that. And he adds uh, the Colts still have more work to do at receiver, but I think it's a nice replacement for Campbell at that number three wide receiver position. Yeah, I, I think ultimately the Colts looked at their roster guys and they saw that they had a guy who two years ago in Michael Pittman Jr., who was a deep threat when they had who I would call a capable quarterback throwing him the ball, or at least a capable deep threat, uh, capable arm throwing him the ball. I don't think anybody could argue. You're not, you're uh, not, you're not going to let that go, are you? No, you're I'm not. I, I, I'm never going to let it go. Never. But uh, at least someone with a strong arm throwing him the football. No one can no one can argue that. We'll, we'll, we'll at least leave it at that and move forward. And, and, and I, th- I think we saw some glimpses of Alec Pierce last year being able to go up down the field uh, at least 20 or 30 yards down the field and, and make a play on a ball that's a jump ball. So you look at guys who are deep threats already, you think, well, maybe Paris Campbell can be that in his career. Well, then why are we going to resign him if it's going to be the same as, as we already have if we're going to invest more money in Pittman in the near future? And we have a guy in his second year in Pierce who can do some of those same things. So like I say, it makes sense if you look at it that way. Or if Shane Steichen comes in, just said no to move on from Paris Campbell. At the same time, like you said, Chap, uh, he he was a guy that uh, that Chris Bauer loved uh, a lot. I I personally loved him in the media because over the last years, throughout his injuries, he was always so breathtakingly honest with us about where he was and his his mental state as well, like trying to recover from these things. He was he was great to speak with. He was a very wonderful kid or young man to be able to talk to and and get some details of where he is in his comeback, where he, he was a guy that you could root for if you were a Colts fan to try to get back into things. But uh, now, now you'll have to root for him elsewhere. You'll have to root for him with the Giants, with Daniel Jones, the $40 million quarterback over there. So You know, one thing that it's obviously Shane Steichen's an offensive guy, offensive background, and and I will, how, do you, how do you come in here stone cold with a blank slate and evaluate your skill players from that offense last, last year. I, how do you, how do you say, well, this is what Michael Pittman is based on last year. You can't, the passing game was so bad, so restrictive that I don't know how you, as a new coach offensive mind, you say, and this, this is what we can do with the guy. Cause you're really projecting. And you're you're projecting on what Pittman can do with a you know he's he's he is closer to what he was you know the year before than last year they turned him into a dink and dunk guy and Pierce did show the the, the deep threat so 
really curious, and that, that's why I said I wonder how Steichen looked to Paris Campbell because it's really hard to to evaluate this passing game with what they had. Well, they do have a new quarterback on the roster now, as opposed to uh, the guys we've already talked about, and that is Gardner Minshew. Joe, Minshew Mania has come to Indianapolis. I know you love it. Oh, yeah. I had the day off when the news broke, and I was celebrating with my buddies. We were already, (laughs) I think it was on a Friday, right? It was on St. Paddy's Day, so we did a nice little toast to Minshew, getting him in there. Uh, Listen, I understand he doesn't... (laughs) There's a reason he was available, but at least he's somebody who you can watch at quarterback for a few games and have fun doing so. Let's let's start with 32 career games, 24 starts. He completes about 63% of his passes, which is not great for, for a backup. I think it's fine. 44 touchdowns to just 15 interceptions. He's not a guy who's going to go out and lose the game, it seems like, for it. He just can't win too many games. That's why the Jaguars were 1-15 a couple years ago even if their one win was the Colts road game that I personally went to and uh, dwarfed myself, as we all know, when Dave goes to Jacksonville or when Dave apparently follows any team in the NCAA tournament like I did with Indiana the other week, bad things bound to happen. You run into that big-time ACC speed in Miami, you just just have no no answers for it. And uh, the Colts had no answers for Gardner Minshew themselves in that first game of 2020. Uh, and uh, in his, they, they were the only team to, to fall to a Gardner Minshew-led Jaguars roster. I shouldn't get too deep into that, though, but uh, this is we, we fully expect this, guys, uh, and, and Chapel will start with you, to be, to, to be the backup quarterback for whoever they draft in the first round because he knows Shane Steichen's system. He was with him last year in Philadelphia. He's going to be a veteran guy in the room who's been around in the league, who has starts in the league, who can answer questions for a young guy, who can help lead him on until that young guy is ready to go himself. Yeah? We've probably mentioned his name over the last four or five episodes because this made sense. You always connect dots in free agency when you have a new coach, and this simply made sense. Whoever whoever you were taking one, two, three, or four in the draft, you were probably going to have, not probably, you were going to have a veteran quarterback on hand. And the, the, to me, the more of a project the rookie is, the more vet reliable the veteran needs to be because he's probably going to play longer. So, yeah, it, I think this is going is to be seven straight years with a different opening day starter. Let's go back. It was, um, what's his face? Uh, Scott Tolzien. It starts with Tolzien. In 2017. Andrew Luck in 18. Jacoby Brissett in 19. Uh, Philip Rivers in 20. Carson Wentz in 21. Matt Ryan in 22 is six. So here we go, number, number seven. Whether it's Minshew or the rookie. So that's just, you know, that's a whole podcast. You, I just you, hope it's Minshew, so then we can go to eight next year with the rookie, whoever it there, is. There you go. There you go. That's, you just, that's what I'm hoping for. You you just can't be competitive consistently doing that. You can't do it. So it, it's really curious what they're going to do. But, yeah, Minshew's he's going to be the starter. He's, he has to be. And at least he gives you a known, a known commodity. And I'm a little surprised, honestly, that it's a $5 million deal for one year. I mean, and that includes incentives. That's pretty doggone cheap. You know, that, that, that that's <laughs> in today's world, Colts world, that's a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, it's, it's, it's a good signing. And I, I just, I saw some people react to the uh, signing by, well, maybe they won't be so much 
in a hurry to get a quarterback in this draft. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a one-year deal for Minshew. And if it works out, fine. But next year is going to be, I'm telling you, it won't be the same pains as last year. But there will be growing pains in 2023. Just prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts have also re-signed cornerback Tony Brown, a one-year, $1.2 million uh, deal. Only had nine snaps total last year on defense, more of a special teams player. But uh, just right now, Joe, if by the process of elimination, Tony Brown might be one of your starting cornerbacks because they don't they don't have like anyone on the roster. That has quickly become a, uh, a must-address position, either in the rest of free agency or in um, – or in the draft, we'll get into a little bit, but that yeah, I, I can't mention Tony Brown signing without also mentioning where the Colts are right now at cornerback, and it's not very good. Yeah, and if I had to guess, this is just going to be an area. I, I, obviously, I think they're going to address it in some means, but I think this is going to be an area that's just going to be a big weakness next year. I don't see them spending a lot of money on a quarter cornerback and free agency. I mean, most of the good ones are already signed by now anyway. Um, maybe if they get to keep their second round pick, they could use it on a cornerback. I could see that, but I could also see them wanting to really emphasize the offense. So I'm not sure how much resources are going to be willing to allocate to corner this year. So they might just wait, um, till those, you know, veterans deals get a l- asking prices, get a little cheaper and then just sign a couple guys to be out there. Yeah. Cause, cause right now chap, I mean, you have, you could have Isaiah Rogers, who a lot of us were wondering last year why he wasn't getting more playing time because, I mean, you'd love to see Isaiah Rodgers more on the field, but I don't know if you want him to be your number one cornerback right now. It's it's a whole lot like making Matt Pryor your number one left tackle and not having a backup plan. We all saw how that happened a year ago. This guy you thought was young and had potential. Turns out in a different role, it was it was potential completely unrealized. But you have him, you have Dallas Flowers, who saw a little bit more playing time near the end of last year. He's the prototypical size and makeup of a corner that Chris Boward likes. He's a big guy. He's physical. He's really fast. He proved that last year being the kick returner near the end of the year. And then, of course, you have Kenny Moore, who's still in the slot, who's not as good of a fit in, uh, in what's his name, in Gus Bradley's system as he was certainly in, in Matt Eberflus's system. He's not quite as... Um, dynamic i guess and and so 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 that's that's who your quarterbacks are right now with who is on your team um so so that's like like joe said probably something that's going to be addressed you know and and one thing it, it just kind of goes back to the building of the roster and and who chris Bowder is at his core and i think it to me what really bears out why it's not worked to this point if you look at the top eight Salary cap figures, there's no dynamic playmaker, offensive playmakers. You go down to like number nine on Jonathan Taylor on a rookie deal. You, the top of your, you know, your primary cap hit needs to be a quarterback. You know, it just does, unless you get him on the rookie deal and all that. And then and didn't get a receiver up there. So, you know, we're talking Shaq Leonard and, and, and DeForest Buckner and Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson. And Grover Stewart are, are are your huge chunk cap guys, and that's why they've they've got to get this thing fixed to where, yes, in a lot of these signings, the Tony Browns and Ashton Doolins and these guys, Ballard is really really good at and conscious of making this roster strong almost from the bottom up. They, they always want that depth, special teams, and all that, but doggone, you got to have five or six guys that just that 
almost shock you. You know, the really, really good teams have that. These guys have to get back to where that's what they have on their roster, and they don't have that yet. Last week when I was uh, on the road following IU basketball, you discussed plenty of additions, subtractions as well, including uh, signing uh, Matt Gay as a kicker, which to me, that that was a surprise to me because all of us were saying Chase McLaughlin had a great year last year. Like, I I don't know why this was a priority. Like, not that Matt Gay is a bad kicker. He's a very good kicker. That's why he's getting a multi-million dollar deal, but... But holy heck, man, you, you had a guy here in-house that, that was pretty darn good himself. I guess, I don't know, if you have the if, if you have the the salary cap space, you sign one of the best kickers in the NFL, but it just seems like it, it's not your biggest problem right now that, that you go out. like So, so it's, it's like you're complaining about something that's still a good signing, and it's not really that much of a, not a huge, massive salary cap hit. Um, it, 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 it just see, it just seemed weird to me that, that, that was the kind of the big, the big free agent move that, that this, uh, that this team has done so far, chap. I agree. And, and, and everything you say is right. It's a kicker. You're paying him. He's, he, I think he's now the second highest paid kicker in the league behind Justin Tucker. And you, did you overpay for him? Yes, you did. I mean, because that's what you do, but it's not like overpaying a left guard, you know, which, you know, or Quentin's making a zillion. Which you could dollars. argue they did. Yes, exactly. Oh, there's no, there's no question. So if we all agreed that Chase McLaughlin might have been the priority signing, and I, th- I think he was really with what they had, then it's really hard for me to get too bent out of shape that they paid a, a little bit more to get a guy who's a top three kicker. And he is. It's, over the last three years, he's 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 converting like ninety two percent, and he's and and he's he's almost as good from fifty yards. So I understand that that the not outrage, but the, the criticism, but but this was such a small, relatively speaking, a small salary cap investment, and I, I kind of compared it to two thousand and six when they made Adam Vinatieri the highest paid kicker in the league. Now the teams are totally different. That, <laughs> yes. That, that right. team, Let, that, let's get that out of the way quickly. Yes. The, the team, the team was was you know they they would go on to win the Super Bowl. This team is about as far away as you can get. But for this price, you've taken care of that part of your roster for the next four or five years. So yet, yes, I understand that the, you know the 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 criticism, but it is a kicker and it is a, a relatively speaking a doable contract. A couple losses from the Colts. Stephon Gilmore gone. Uh, tr- uh, he's gone to Dallas. Uh, Brandon Faison gone. Bobby O'Karake gone. Um, the re-signings you guys discussed. EJ Speed at linebacker. Tyquan Lewis defensive end. Ashton Doolin at wide receiver. Uh, Dave's breakout player of 2022. Ashton Doolin. See, I-, I bring up where I'm wrong in the past two chap. I'm just going to keep bringing up where I was right uh, at-, at the same time. So. Uh, so I, I have no problem admitting when I was wrong. You just have to prove that I was wrong. So in, uh, in this case, uh, Ashton Doolin, I, I was wrong. And, and hopefully there's a quarterback with a strong arm who can get a speedy player like Doolin uh, the ball sometime in uh, 2023 for the Colts. But, what, but, but, okay. but, but, but he's also a core special player. Yes. As is Tony Brown. And they're going to make special teams always has to be, needs to be a, critical part of your game. 
What does Hancock Health's membership of the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. Let's look around the AFC South because for as much as we talk about the Colts, it would be, uh, be negligent to, uh, to not discuss what's happening right around them with all the teams they have to play twice a year. Uh, the Texans have been one of the busiest teams in NFL free agency. Uh, this season. They've made Laramie Tunsil the NFL's highest paid offensive lineman with a three-year extension for $75 million. You get a left tackle, you're going to have to pay it. Uh, that's just how it is in the NFL. And for the guys that are at the tip top of the list, guys like a Tunsil or Trent Williams or uh, some of the other guys uh, across the league, uh, the Staley, the guy from Baltimore, when they, when they re-sign, you're going to pay them top dollar. That's just what it is. So three years, $75 million, uh, Tunsil stays in uh, in Houston to stay with the Texans. They've traded Brandon Cooks to Dallas for a pair of uh, draft picks, lower draft picks. They've traded for Tampa Bay guard Shaq Mason as well. And, and the signings they made, um, quite a few on offense to shore up that side of the ball and get their future first-round rookie quarterback uh, some veterans to get the ball to, like tight end Dalton Schultz from Dallas, running back Devin Singletary from Buffalo, running back Mike Boone from Denver, wide receiver Robert Woods from Tennessee, Dallas wide receiver Noah Brown, and also signing a backup quarterback, uh, Case Keenum, to be the guy that uh, shepherds in whichever young quarterback uh, is going to be uh, in uh, in their locker room. Um, Chap, you looked at uh, the Texans last year, and there was certainly a case of a very bare uh, room for weapons. Uh, you, you look at the Colts and you say, well, they're, they're, their weapons are bare. You look at the, the, the Texans last year and it was it was that and, and perhaps something more, even if they were able to beat the Colts that last week of the season uh, to give them the second pick in the draft and allow Carolina the future chance to trade up to the number one pick and all that. That's a, We don't need to discuss the entire web that has been woven in the NFL but uh, from that last last week of the NFL season. But the, the, the Texans have t- made some moves to try to shore up the offense to give their rookie not uh, the bare bones that they had last year. And that's what you have to do, That and that's what the Colts need to do. They're, they're not finished yet. Uh, don't, don't invest – your franchise's future in the number two pick or with the Colts, the number three or four pick, and then say, here you go. This is, you're, you're on your own. That's just, you know, the, the Houston did that back in 2002 with David Carr and they beat, and they beat the football out of him. You just can't do that. W- one thing that's, that's often happened is, is so, sometimes the, the, the really, really busy teams in free agency are the really, really bad teams because their roster is not very good. I think a couple of years ago, was it last year or two years ago, Houston signed like, gosh, 20 free agents. 
I mean, yeah. and, and, but they were guys. They, they were just guys. These guys have more pedigree to them. So it's without question. And, and we'll, when we summarize this, everybody in the AFC South is rebuilding except one team. And the, and the other three teams had better chase that one team. And it's the one team that you, that you wouldn't think would be uh, uh, not rebuilding. It's the one team that has rebuilt more than anyone else, it seems like, uh, in the past uh, 10 or 15 years in the NFL. But uh, Joe, also some defensive signings. Jimmy Ward, the defensive back from San Francisco. Sheldon Rankins, defensive tackle from the Jets. Chase Winovich, defensive end from Cleveland. Corey Lojan, uh, linebacker. So uh, uh, this is going to be a very uh, a vastly different Texans team that we have seen the past couple of years, unsurprisingly so based on what they have done really the last two years to get to where they are picking second in the draft. Yeah. And Ian Rappaport also is reporting that they're signing Denzel Perriman, Pro Bowl linebacker from the Raiders. So they'll get D'Amico Ryan's a talented linebacker to use in his new defense there. Um, a lot of these are just one or two year deals. So I think like you guys already said, they're just trying to lift up the roster a little bit. So the rookie quarterback doesn't have to come in and, you know, try and, win the game by himself almost um, getting some nice pieces for the new defensive coach as well. But Texans might not quite be the pushover that they've been the last couple of years. Yeah. I think chap hit the nail on the head that bad teams just need to be more active in free agency. And uh, like the Colts, the Colts are a different form of bad last year than the Texans were like the Colts still have a, you look on offense and you have some young pieces that you like. The Texans, they didn't have anybody you like. Like, it, the Colts have kind of brought back the uh, the special teams core. The good, they, they have good, they have good, how do I put this? Uh, accurately and, and not mean. Um, mid-level. Yeah, exactly. They have they have some kind of mid-level players. And in, in the most important places, uh, they are... They had they were completely lacking. Um, the Texans were lacking in all the most important areas and virtually everywhere else too. So, what what what's worse, bad <laughs> like the Colts were last year, where it was accidental, or bad like the Texans are, which is on purpose. Right, this is I, like, I like a part of the rebuild. I think it's worse to be accidentally bad because you thought you were going to be good. That's my I think opinion. so too. Yeah. I think so too. Texans have two first round picks a second, two third round picks. Like this was all, this is all a part of their plan. Um, and hope they're hoping within the next year or two, they'll be good. The Colts kind of got smacked in the face and they're asking what happened, uh, and trying to scrambling to figure things out. Yeah. I, 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 I still like, I sit back here, chap, and I touched on this a few seconds ago, but I just think it is absolutely hilarious that the Indianapolis Colts lost week 18 last year to the Houston Texans, which dropped them to second in the draft order which allowed the Colts' old coach, Frank Reich, his new team, to trade up to the number one pick with the Chicago Bears, which would never have happened if it was the Houston Texans up there, and get his choice at quarterback for the next 10 years, maybe, of his career. It's it's always a tangled web that is woven in the NFL, but that just made me st- sit back and be like, dude, this is this is crazy that, that all this has transpired in such a way uh, well, that has been very relevant to uh, to us here, uh, to, to delivering an Indianapolis Colts podcast on a weekly basis. Speaking of coach, at Levy Smith getting the win for Houston so that his old team, the Bears, could get the first pick, and that trade happened in the first. It's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely I, I, crazy. You you can sit here and say right now, 
the team and the coach that's in the best position is Frank Wright. The, the Colts dump him, fire him, and, and, he get, and he latches onto there. And he's in Carolina, and I'm telling you, they've been as active as anybody in the offseason, bringing in some good players, getting that first pick. Now, it's, it's funny. I always say that this time of year, don't believe much of what you hear. Cause I think it was the owner, Tepper. Is it David Tepper of Carolina? Or he said, yeah, we're at number one. We've got multiple options or multiple targets, whatever. the. They didn't move up to one. With, with well, you know, there's two or three guys. No, you move up to one because there is a guy that you want. And whether that's Stroud, which I think it probably is, or Bryce Young. Somebody had projected Anthony Richardson the number one. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do all that and bet on a boomer bus guy. So I, I like what Frank's done. I've texted him a few times and had a boys and all that. So I hope I hope he lands on his feet, which he has and he will. So good Frank. And it kind of, we don't need to go too much into this, but it also underscores what we were saying that if the Colts really had one guy or two guys, they needed to get up to number one that they thought were the guys because somebody else would. And now you got two guys who want a quarterback and two teams that want a quarterback in front of you and another team that could trade out of number three. And so the Colts could go and have themselves the fourth pick at quarterback, not to say it's their fourth pick. Maybe their pick would be, would be who they end up with anyway. I, I don't know that, and you don't know that. No one knows that. So you, you just say right now the Colts are going to get at least the third quarterback taken, you would think, right now, because you've got to think there's going to be two in front of them, if not the fourth, if somebody else makes a move there with Arizona. I, I mean, Chap, I know that Chris Ballard came on and, and spoke at the Combine saying, I don't know if you have to move up to number one. Like, I don't know. He's saying, I don't know if that's that's really what it's like. But what has happened underscores why you have to move up to number one. If there's a guy that you want, because right now, if there was one guy, you would figure he's gone at number four where the Colts are going to pick. And looking at what Carolina gave up, uh, what you, you flip ones and giving up another one. And is it two twos? Yeah. Yes. Plus DJ Moore. That, that's from coming up to nine. What would the yes. Colts – now, the Colts wouldn't have wouldn't have had to get up that much, but the fact that Carolina did, what would the Colts have had to give up to, to say, nah, we don't want Carolina's pick? I, That's why I don't know. First, I don't know that Ballard would have given up that much. You know, it would have taken Michael Pittman. And, and I guess if, you, if you're just sold as a franchise that C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young are, is the guy, then you do it. And and you deal with with the the fallout, but I I I would pay to sit quietly in the back of the room while they have gone through this quarterback class, just to know how they value it. Do do they say you know two of these guys are really good, one of these guys is really good, or you know all four of these guys are yeah they're they're all right, but you know I don't see a certainly not a Joe Burrow or Andrew Locker or that. But if they stay at four, doesn't that tell you that they just weren't totally enamored with with the guy? Because if you liked three of these guys, you've got to move to three. You've got to trade to three so that at least you're not left holding the last guy. Although, like you said, Dave, you don't know how they have him ranked. So it's going to be very, very curious. I would I would really like to know, and we and I don't know if Chris will ever tell us, 
is is how do they how have they ranked these quarterbacks? And maybe their actions will tell us, but I'd love to know how he ranks these guys. I really would. Well, we certainly rapid trailed away from talking about the AFC South, and I really have no one but myself to blame because I'm the one who kind of led us down these uh, these paths here. But uh, let's get back to it because the Titans are also rebuilding. They have released a slew of guys who are franchise cornerstones for them over the past couple years. Uh, on the offensive line, Taylor Lewan, Ben Jones, um, also uh, edge rusher Bud Dupree, kicker Randy Bullock, uh, linebacker Zach Cunningham, wide receiver Robert Woods, all of them very, very, uh, most of them very important players. Um, very productive players for them over the past couple of years. Also lost a couple of players in free agency, including right guard Nate Davis, edge rusher Demarcus Walker, uh, linebacker David Long. Uh, they have signed a couple of players um, that a uh, few defensive players for uh, for um, why am I completely blanking on their Vrabel. head coach's name? Vrabel's. Thank Vrabel. you, Mike Vrabel, obviously, uh, for Mike Vrabel to work with. Uh, but. Uh, Chap, this is going to be a much different looking team, obviously, under uh, a new GM there who has uh, very much made his presence felt as they have a uh, a good rebuild going there in Tennessee. Yeah, and again, what do they do at quarterback? I mean, I think Ryan Tannehill, is, isn't he in his last year, I think? I believe so, yes. yeah. And where are they going to get until you get the quarterback fixed? You know, you're just flailing away. And what if the, I, what if the Titans trade up to number three somehow? And and they get they jump the Colts and they take either Will Levis or they take Anthony Richardson. They sit him behind uh, there, there. There would be there. There would be explosions in Indianapolis if that was the case. And again, don't you just have to approach the draft? Here we go down the rabbit hole again. Don't <laughs> don't you have to if you're the Colts, don't you have to take the approach that, OK, Arizona doesn't want a guy, but somebody's going to go to three. And if it's, not, so. if it's not you, somebody will. And again, if the Colts allow that to happen, it tells me that they just weren't, you know, eh, we'll, we'll take whoever's there. Yep. Uh, but, but every team, it's incredible to me that, it, that there is a strong scenario that quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, which yep. I don't believe has ever happened. It's gone. It's been the top three several times. And that just shows you how desperation drives the draft when it's about the quarterback. Um, anything you wanted to add about the Titans, Joe? No, it just looks okay. like <clears throat> new GM. It looks like they're rebuilding. Um, they're, they totally could trade up for uh, that number three spot. I'm sure it would take a lot to do so. Um, another possibility is they took Malik Willis in the third round last year, a guy with, a lot of tools to work with and maybe they just let him sit for another year yep. behind Tannehill until he's ready. And then the new GM can evaluate at that point. Is this a guy who year three, we feel comfortable starting or now is it the year that we want to go draft our quarterback of the future? So I think at least quarterback wise, the Titans are in a decent spot where they have uh, several options on their plate. And then we get to the uh, perennial future AFC South favorites. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, led by Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and uh, the the stalwart franchise in, in the division. At least uh, they certainly look pretty solid right now uh, where they are. They they get uh, some weapons coming back. They get Calvin Ridley reinstated by the NFL after uh, he was betting on games two years ago. And Ridley, like he, he's he's out of the casual sports fans eye, Joe. For, uh, for the past year because of this, but 
you as a fantasy guy would certainly know, and those who are really deep into the NFL also know, Calvin Ridley in his first couple years in the league was an incredibly dynamic player and certainly has high expectations as he comes back to an offense that showed plenty of explosiveness a year ago, even without him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his first two or three years in the league, he was a guy with speed, route running ability, hands. um, And that's quite the combination for a wide receiver. Um, We'll see if he can get back to that form. I think it's been um, over two seasons since he's really played. He was suspended all of last year. And when he was betting on NFL games, I believe that was during a point where he had taken some time off for just, I guess, mental health, just to get his mind right um, during the season there and then decided to place a few parlays. Um, so uh, if Calvin Ridley can get back to even, you know, 80, 90 percent of what he was, this is a huge addition for the Jaguars who already had weapons last year with guys like Evan Ingram. He gets the franchise tag. Christian Kirk, who were all making fun of that signing at this time last year. He had a career year for them with 1,100 yards, and I think eight touchdowns. So um, the Jaguars are looking pretty good at this current time. Got to retool a little bit on the offensive line after Jawan Taylor uh, leaves. They're starting right tackle for Kansas City. Uh, He's a pretty darn good player, and that's why the Chiefs went out and got him. Edge rusher Arden Key had a um, kind of on-again and off-again player there. He signed with uh, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tight end Chris Manhurts is signed with Denver. And they have released uh, cornerback Shaq Griffin as well. So certainly some work to do. That's what the draft is for. Uh, You don't have like 10 guys leaving you. You have just a couple guys. And you try to fill those with guys that you really like, who are young, who are cheap, and uh, and move on. Like Develop the places that are really good, like your uh, your offense right now, by adding Ridley there, by bringing back Engram. Uh, Chap, we've... I, we've made jokes about the Jaguars in the past, but uh, there are there are few. There 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 are really there are an intriguing place to be right now if you're a free agent or if you're a rookie coming into the NFL, and I think it starts because you have a Super Bowl winning head coach and a young quarterback that has a lot of people believing in him. Well, they've earned the ridicule through the oh, years. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, they they they've they they, they give. They've been that great tease where they show you something. Maybe this is you were all the first round picks. The year that was a Blake Bortles had it by then a quarter and a couple of first down conversions of making the Super Bowl. They were like a third and 14 that the Patriots converted away from right. making the Super Bowl against the Eagles that year. Yeah. Right. So, so I think they've gotten it right this time. I really do. Like you mentioned that they've got the, 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 Super Bowl coach who's who's a great offensive mind and works with quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence looks like the real deal. I I don't know where you'd put him on the Andrew Luck, Joe Burrow list and all that with Peyton Manning's and but if he's the guy and they've got young impact talent on both sides of the of the line of scrimmage, so I think I think they've got it right and I think it's obvious who the target is. But these other three rebuilding teams, that's Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at uh, which teams have improved and declined, uh, Houston, everyone, you, you have to argue they're better than they were <laughs> last year because, well, well, what's the standard for last year? Um, and then the Titans have taken, they might argue a step sideways and not a step backward. I think you can argue a step backward for sure. Uh, the Jaguars, if you get Rid- Ridley, you bring back Engram, um, that, that's, that's pretty good. Um, they're, 
not doing the same things they've done in free agency last year or in previous years. Um, they've had some big free agency years uh, last year in particular, so hasn't been quite as active. And, and the Colts have, like like we said, kind of at the beginning, have been um, not quite as active. And uh, the, the moves that they have made, I don't think the moves that the Colts have made have made them considerably better uh, than they were. Uh, it's, you know, Paris Campbell for Isaiah McKenzie. It's uh, Okereke is gone. You uh, you add a defensive end from San Francisco and Samson Abukam. Abukam? 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 I don't know. I, don't, I have to learn how to say his name, chap, now. Um, I, I, still... I, I, I know how to spell it. That's all I care about. Exactly. And, and this happens when I'm when I'm on the road following IU basketball. And I'm just I just haven't uh, I haven't dove headfirst uh, into into uh, free agency as much uh, because I was kind of sidetracked there. But um, like they brought back a couple players that you like, but but there haven't been any dramatic moves uh, free agency wise to make this team better. You Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. What's made this team better is is getting a head coach right now is the biggest move, obviously, that has had the biggest impact uh, on what the Colts will be next year for sure. And if you look at their needs, there's a lot of them right now, kind of uh, directing the conversation that way. They haven't gotten considerably better in offensive line, which was arguably or perhaps definitely their worst position or uh, worst group last year. Um as you have said, chat based on sack numbers and franchise history with those things, it was it was it was historically bad. Um, defensive line could use some help. Cornerback, uh, they had both starting cornerbacks leave, as I mentioned earlier. Perhaps the best cornerback on the market right now is Rock Yassin, which is another another hilarious turn of events. Uh, wide receiver, uh, you're, you're you're nothing if not about the same place you were last year. So so there, there's all these areas that the Colts can improve, but. But I guess, like right now in free agency, all the best players, like Joe said earlier, are kind of taken right now. Um, you're waiting for some veterans asking prices perhaps to go down that you sign in in June, maybe. Uh, that Chris Ballard has found a couple of good players like that in the past, so I certainly won't put him past them to to find another one or two in in that market this year. But but there's still a, a slew of areas and important positions that we saw last year we're not up to par chap in the NFL that are still have not really been addressed at this point in free agency two weeks in. Yeah. You, you need a starting cornerback. We're not, we're, let's just put quarterback aside. You need in my mind a three or four receiver, depending on where you think McKenzie is. You need a right guard. Doggone. You need a right guard. You need a veteran swing tackle. Or, or a veteran tackle to push Bernhard Ryman at left tackle, hoping the guy you sign is your swing guy. I think you need a linebacker. 
they've been pretty good about getting linebackers. Okereke is going to be a loss. He, he was a really, really good player, but you couldn't afford him. You just couldn't. And I'm telling you, they've got to have Shaq Leonard come back. They, they do. I mean, that defense is so different. And, and when we talked to, to Chris Ballard at, at the combine, he just said, yeah, he's making progress. Well, doggone it. He should, by, by now, to me, by now, this team knows or should know that that back issue, the disc issue, is no longer an issue. It, it's far enough removed from surgery and what was like in November that they need to know that 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 he's he's going to be the guy. So, uh, but yeah, th- this roster still has issues. You know, re-sign Rodney McLeod. I'd be all for that. He was one of their their most solid safeties last year. There'll be a few of those, but still some holes to fill. Yep. Yeah, uh, go ahead, a little surprised that the Colts haven't done more in the offensive line yet. I mean, that was arguably their biggest issue last year, maybe tied with quarterback, um, and, and they haven't really done anything. I, I get it. They're probably waiting for a couple of these veterans asking price to go down. They didn't shell out big money for a right guard, and big is pretty relative for a guard, but um, what's his name? Uh, Isaac... Somalo? Semualu? Semualu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Eagles guy. Sorry. From yeah. from Philly, who were kind of, you know, pairing with Steichen. Semualu. Need at right guard. Maybe it made sense. Uh, I think he got a three-year deal from the Steelers for about $8 million about per the, year. Which, which yeah. you know, and one thing that really handcuffs the Colts with that is how much more can you invest in your offensive line? You know, last year was the highest-paid line, and, and, and at some point, you, you can do what you want to do. But at some point, the, the 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 budget has to make sense, and to bring in you know the Philly guy at eight million a year, I don't know how that would have worked. Love to have had him, but they've got to find that uh, Mark Glowinski, Chris Reed type of guy because right what they've got right now in this offensive line is not good enough. Yeah, to directly answer your question, Joe, I'm a little surprised they haven't brought anybody in. Um, but if they are looking to, to fill that later in free agency, like I get what Chris Ballard's doing, but at the same time, it's like, well, what, what you've done on the offensive line certainly didn't work last year. So if I, if I understand what you're doing based on what you've done in the past, well, what you did in the past was, was clearly not the best thing. So that that's kind of where I am right now. I, I, I would have liked to see more with that position. I think at this point in free agency, but I'm not overly surprised that, that nothing has happened. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I could see maybe them bringing in another veteran wide receiver, maybe to compete with McKenzie for that three spot. A guy like Marvin Jones maybe makes sense. Um, obviously, he's not necessarily a slot type of receiver, but just to get a veteran presence in that locker room, um, a guy who can, you know, maybe you put Pittman in the slot for sometimes, and then you got Jones and Pierce on the outside. I certainly don't think they're going to go after an Odell, and I'm sure Odell wants to go play for a contender. Yeah. At this point in his career, um, maybe they bring back Rakusin, but my understanding was uh, part of the reason they moved on for him was his perceived fit in Gus Bradley's defense. Um, they, they, they traded him away to bring in Yannick, who um, uh, him and Bradley have always put up good numbers together. But maybe I could be wrong on that, and Rakusin would be uh, just fine with Gus Bradley. I'm not sure. But just looking at it here, I mean, uh, 
maybe an offensive lineman or two, maybe a veteran wide receiver, but really I think they've addressed the defensive end need to get that third kind of pass rushing defensive end in there. And then they're just going to wait until the draft. And the closer we get, the more I start to think uh, it's possible Chris Ballard just sticks at four. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised again if that happens. And uh, the problem, the problem with asking a veteran wide receiver right now to come to you, to come to the Colts is you're asking him to come to a team that was bad last year. So there's, there's no, uh, there's no discount for a guy who's trying to chase a ring like an Odell Beckham Jr. Like if, if you want a a veteran wide receiver to come to you right now, you're going to have to overpay him. That's just what you're going to have to do. And that is not, We've talked about this before. This podcast is as much as Chris Ballard says he has to learn. He has to grow overpaying guys like that in this situation. That's not the growth he's really talking about. So um, so this this group of of wide receivers, you look who's there. And I mean, there are guys like I said, you'd have to overpay for a Marvin Jones to bring him here or else he'll go somewhere where he like Kansas City, where he could go for a ring and he's the third or fourth option. You know what I'm saying? Or go to the Bengals and be the third or fourth option to there. It's like, what would you rather do? Would you rather play for a bit less money and go for a ring or wait for a team to overspend for you? And, and that's just not what Chris Bauer has done so often. So that's where the Colts are right now at that position. No, I agree. And, and we'll see. I mean, there's only so many contenders willing to bring in aging veteran wide receivers as well. Um, so I think there might be a point somewhere along the off season where he can bring in a guy for a decent contract, but, um, as things stand, I mean, they could always free up more money, cut Kenny Moore. That's one where maybe they're waiting to tra- see if they can get a late round draft pick back for him, um, before just flat out cutting him. Um, sure they could restructure. So some contracts, but with, uh, so much money tied up in an injured linebacker, a left guard and a right tackle, they don't have a ton to spend elsewhere. So, so not, not a whole lot of uh, drama so far in free agency. Uh, we, we anticipate the drama to come uh, on draft night for the Colts, uh, if not before, if they're trying to trade up at all and secure their spot at number three. So uh, glad uh, that all you have stuck along with us these past couple of weeks throughout free agency. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Uh, follow for updated Colts news and notes throughout the week. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit of the AFC South, of course, during uh, uh, there as well to kind of keep you up to date about what's going on here uh, in the league. But uh, we'll discuss more along the lines, Joe, of these next couple of weeks of the draft. We'll turn our focus there. We'll talk about certain Colts needs, position needs. Um, we're we're going to we're going to leave quarterback dangling there for you. We're going to we want to wait uh, until uh, until as close to the draft as possible to dive as deep into the quarterbacks as possible. But but as we've said on this podcast, I mean, there there are other positions that are big needs and quarterback might be cornerback could be one of the biggest ones just because both stars from last year are gone. Um, we'll discuss offensive line as well. Defensive line there, there. There's so much to get to over the coming weeks before the draft comes, uh, because there are a lot of different needs the Colts have. Joe, looking forward to these next couple of weeks. I'm sure that you have some good things planned. Oh, yeah. And uh, quarterback's going to come up along the way. Just oh, yeah. to, as we discuss potential trade scenarios you know if we're talking second round pick here will they have the second round pick will they not um it's going to keep popping up but we're going to save our draft or or quarterback focus episode for a little later in april Mm -hmm. so 
that's it. The Colts Blue Zone podcast. We appreciate you all joining us. All of us, uh, like I said, three separate locations coming to bring you one uh, one podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, for Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Take care. We'll see you next week.